2: All I heard was, Elijah could die tonight.
3: Nature's deadliest organisms. In a matter of days, this disease can kill you. They hijack our bodies.
4: Hearing the scream that he let out, I just lost it.
3: Disable our immune systems.
5: I was very fearful that something really bad was going to happen
2: to me.
3: And eat us from within. said, God, don't take my son. Please. For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Karen and Roger Minnick live in Kuna, Idaho.
2: Roger and I have been married 26 years. I think that I'm the softie between the two of us. Roger's a tough-it-out kind of guy.
6: Whether it's family or friends, she always wants to make sure they're comfortable and enjoying themselves and and having
3: a good time. Roger is a tractor salesman, and Karen is a nurse's assistant. Together, they have three boys, 23-year-old Roger Jr. and 17-year-old twins, Jonah and Elijah.
2: Jonah, he's like a grizzly bear. He got the most intimidating award at school.
3: I'm kind
1: of more of an observant um, child as in this family. Elijah is more the person that talks to people and always loves to start a conversation.
3: Despite their differing personalities, the twins share a love of football. Elijah plays left
6: tackle, and Jonah plays left guard. And they've done that since junior high school.
1: It's just a lot of fun playing sports with him. We're always there for each other, no matter what.
3: It's Christmas morning, and the family gathers in the living room to exchange gifts. Christmas is very important in our family. My wife takes great pride
6: in making sure the house is decorated for Christmas.
2: We have a special breakfast, and then we'll open some presents. But I noticed Elijah was not himself. He was not excited. So I said, how are you feeling? He said, mom, I have a sore throat. So I looked in his throat. I was thinking, this is just a normal cold.
3: However, this year, Karen is keeping an especially close eye on Elijah.
2: Elijah had had his appendix taken out about a month ago. I don't think that he ever fully recovered from the appendectomy. He was still weak. I said if he doesn't start to feel better, that we'll go to the doctor.
3: By the next day, Karen is alarmed to see that instead of improving, Elijah's condition has gotten worse.
2: I went into his room to check on him. His chest hurt, and he said, I just can't breathe very good. And his heartbeat was rapid. The thing about his lungs hurting concerned me. I thought maybe he's got something more
3: serious. The next morning, Karen takes Elijah to the family doctor.
2: The doctor knew about his appendicitis and checked his stomach to make sure there was no pain there and listened to his heart. Checked his ears. The doctor thought it was just a head cold. The diagnosis made sense to me. I was thinking it's going to be okay. And uh, we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing.
3: However, later that night, when Karen and Roger go to check on Elijah, they discover that something is seriously wrong with their son.
2: I thought that it would help him feel better if he had something to drink, and so I got him some soda and crackers. I gave him the cracker, and he just put it towards my computer.
6: And I looked at him, and I go, what are you doing, son? And he goes, "Um, mom's computer froze up, the screen froze up. I'm trying to unlock it. My wife and I were looking at each other going, something must be really wrong here.
3: Karen rushes Elijah to the hospital.
2: We walked up to the doors in the ER, and I thought, he's just got to get off of his feet. And there were some wheelchairs to the right of the door, and I said, Elijah, come and sit down in the wheelchair. And he looked at me, and he took his football stance. He's a lineman, and super strong, and started pushing me across to where the wheelchair was. And I was like, honey, stop pushing me. You're scaring me. This is so unlike Elijah. He never intentionally would hurt anyone.
3: To Karen's relief, moments later, the hospital staff arrive to help. They bring Elijah into a room, but they have a hard time restraining the six foot four football player.
2: He kept trying to sit up, and he kept saying, Help me. Somebody help me.
3: Before they can treat Elijah, doctors first have to sedate him. Then they check his vitals. To their surprise, Elijah's heart rate and blood pressure are at dangerous levels. Concerned Elijah's heart is on the verge of shutting down, doctors place him on life support. When they hear what's happened, Roger and Jonah rush to Elijah's bedside. When I caught my first glimpse of
6: him and it really made my heart drop
1: Um, just seeing him on the ventilator and everything like the IVs and all the fluids it was just very very hard to see
3: Elijah's case is taken over by pediatric critical care specialist Dr. Derek Duplay right away he notices something alarming Elijah was very purple and his skin color and very cold To Dr. Duplay, this is a clear sign that Elijah is not receiving enough oxygen.
0: Elijah was at risk for having a decreased level of blood flow to his hands and to his his legs. He did face possible amputation, loss of limbs.
2: This was the boy who was just walking with me this afternoon into the doctor's office. And here they're telling me that they could amputate Limbs? This is this is shocking. It's not real. This isn't really happening.
3: That night, Doctor Duplay orders a round of tests and places Elijah on a drug designed to increase his blood pressure. But a few hours later, he notices a worrying development. Elijah went into kidney failure. With Elijah's kidneys unable to filter harmful toxins from his blood, Dr. DuPlay knows he has to act fast. He was in imminent danger of dying. He places Elijah on dialysis, but he still doesn't know what's making him sick. We knew that what we were dealing with was, was incredibly severe.
0: If we cannot get his blood pressure, heart rate stable, this will kill him tonight.
3: High school football star Elijah Minnick has been struck down by a mysterious illness. In a matter of hours, it has left him battling for his life.
2: All I heard was Elijah could die tonight. Elijah could die tonight.
6: I couldn't imagine life without him. And I said, God, don't take my son. Please.
3: I'm sorry. Miraculously, Elijah survives the night. But Dr. Duplay knows that time is running out to discover the source of Elijah's illness. His brain was basically asleep and in a coma. We didn't know what was causing this. 24 hours after being admitted, Elijah's test results come in. We were flabbergasted. We knew we had a long battle now in front of us. Elijah's condition was caused by... Group A Streptococcus. Group A Streptococcus is a bacterium commonly found in the throat or in the skin. Inside Elijah's body, the Streptococcus bacteria are destroying his red blood cells. This causes dangerous waste to build up in his bloodstream, leading to Elijah's rapid heartbeat, confusion, and kidney failure.
0: Streptococcus normally is not that dangerous, but given the right conditions, can kill you.
2: I didn't know that strep could be deadly. I was shocked that it had done this to Elijah.
7: What makes Group A Streptococcus bacteria so terrifying is the speed with which it acts. Once a person is infected, it only takes the bacteria a matter of days to spread throughout the body. Given the right conditions, it can trigger multi-organ failure which often results in death.
3: In an attempt to kill the strep bacteria, Dr. DuPlay gives Elijah specially designed antibiotics, leaving Elijah's family with nothing to do but wait. We have this little thing, we've done it ever since he was a little boy.
6: You know, he grabs my hand, I grab his, and I squeeze it. And he squeezes back, almost like everything's okay. And so I squeeze his hand.
3: No response, no response. For two weeks, Elijah clings to life on a ventilator. And then, one day, as Roger holds Elijah's hand, something miraculous happens.
6: He squeezed my hand. I knew right then and there he was going to be okay. He was my son. He was going to be okay.
2: And he opened his eyes, and they just fluttered. And I thought... (gasps) He's here, he's here. (laughs) So it was like, oh my
6: gosh. I remember opening my eyes slowly
3: and looking around, and I'm just like, what happened? As Elijah struggles to recover, his family is left to wonder how a strep infection became so deadly.
7: Each year in the U.S., Group A streptococcus affects more than 10 million people. Most infections are relatively mild illnesses, such as strep throat or the skin condition impetigo. However, when the strep bacteria get into parts of the body where bacteria usually aren't found, such as in the blood, muscles, or lungs, a serious, sometimes life-threatening Group A strep infection may occur. Elijah had
0: a month before that a ruptured appendicitis. His immune system was challenged from
3: that previous infection in his abdomen. And with a damaged defense system, the streptococcus bacteria took over his body. For two weeks, Karen watches her son battle the infection.
2: He was so determined to get better. And he told the doctors, I will play football again.
3: And to the amazement of Elisha's family and the entire medical team, two weeks later, Elijah leaves the hospital. And after six months of rehabilitation, Elijah returns to the field.
1: That was pretty awesome being announced that I'm back and playing.
3: Today, Elijah and his family have a newfound appreciation for life.
6: There's no words that can describe, you know, how grateful I am for basically a second chance at life. He's a great young man. And if you ever met him and get to know him, you would see how wonderful of a person he is.
7: The spread of strep bacteria can be reduced by frequent hand-washing, especially after contact with infected people. To avoid a serious infection, see a doctor at first signs of a fever, severe pain, swelling, dizziness, or a wound that won't heal.
3: While some monsters attack with terrifying speed, others take time while they inflict suffering.
8: I just saw her laying there, which kind of scared me. It was hard to think about what would happen to my kids if they lost their mom.
3: Whitney and Mark Fleming are from Wheaton, Illinois.
5: Mark can do anything he sets his mind to, whether he wants to run a marathon or be successful in business. He just is constantly amazing me.
1: Whitney's energetic, friendly. Whitney is generous.
3: And that might be one of her greatest qualities is her generosity. Mark and Whitney have been married for 15 years. Mark is a successful manufacturing executive. And Whitney is a stay-at-home mom to the couple's three daughters, 11-year-old twins, Peyton and Olivia, and 10-year-old
8: Cameron. My mom is very busy. And I just kind of like to sit and talk with her. She is the best mom, and I love her so much.
1: I am constantly amazed at what uh, Whitney's able to balance at home with all the things that are occurring with the kids. i I don't know how she does it.
8: I'm really
5: happy with her life. I am probably one of the most fortunate people you've ever met.
3: But Whitney's family life hasn't always been so smooth. One morning in early spring, Whitney is at home helping her daughter's pack. In two days' time, the entire family is going on a week-long cruise to the Caribbean.
5: This was our big family trip. The girls were incredibly excited. They had never been on a cruise ship before. But as I was getting ready for the trip, I felt a gritty sensation in my eye. So I looked in the mirror, and I could see that my eye looked really red and irritated. I've worn contacts for about 20 years. Seasonal allergies sometimes can cause dry eyes, especially if you're a contact lens wearer. So I decided to just wet my eyes with lubricating drops and not wear my contacts in the hopes that my eye would improve.
3: But Whitney continues to feel discomfort. So the next day, she visits her ophthalmologist, who diagnoses her with a scratched cornea.
5: She did not seem to be too concerned with what was going on. So she prescribed a steroid drop.
3: The following morning, Whitney and her family embark on their six-day cruise.
8: It was amazing. It was just kind of fun to experience new things with my whole family.
3: During the trip, Whitney follows her doctor's orders.
5: I used all the drops, and my eye was improving, and I felt great.
3: The rest of the cruise passes without event. Then, soon after returning home, Mark travels out of town on business leaving Whitney alone with the kids. But on the first morning, during the school run, Whitney's symptoms return with a vengeance.
5: As I pulled away from the school, I made a left-hand turn and the sun hit me in the eye. It was like an electric volt that went through my entire body. I had never experienced pain like that.
3: Whitney places a panicked call to her husband, Mark. I became concerned and asked her, do you need me to to come home?
5: I felt like I needed some help. But Mark has a big job, and I know that it wasn't a good time for him to come home from his business trip. I said, I can tough it out.
3: Whitney promises Mark she'll make an appointment with a doctor. And later that day, she meets with a second ophthalmologist.
5: He was very concerned about the inflammation in my eye and the swelling. He thought I had a bacterial infection.
3: Bacterial infections can occur if a scratch or abrasion on the cornea becomes contaminated. Left untreated, they can result in permanent damage to the eye.
5: I was very concerned about what was going on with my eye. So the doctor gave me some pretty powerful antibacterial drops and I was just hopeful that the medicine would provide me some level of comfort.
3: Whitney returns home and takes the medication. But the next morning, she wakes to a nasty surprise.
5: I turned to look at my phone to see what time it was. I couldn't see anything at all. It was completely white and and cloudy. I freaked out. I honestly had no idea what was going on with my eye.
3: Whitney Fleming has been suffering with pain in her left eye. But now she has woken up to a horrifying new symptom.
5: I really had no vision whatsoever. I needed to get my kids ready for school, so I called them in.
8: She told me to get ready by ourselves and to pack her lunches. It really scared me. She would pretty much always pack her lunches. Her just not being down there, it was kind of weird, and I knew something was going on.
5: They were only 9 and 10 years old, and they did all the things that they needed to do and were very organized, and I was just super proud that they stepped in and, and handled the situation so
3: well. So, Whitney arranges for a neighbor to drive the girls to school.
5: I figured if I could just get to the doctor's office, we could figure out what was going on. My depth perception was a little off, so I reached for the handrail and just started making my way down the stairs. I was about three to four stairs down when my foot just slipped out from underneath me and I fell down the rest of the stairs.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
8: My foot just slipped
5: out from underneath me and I fell down the rest of the stairs. That was when I was really starting to get concerned about, you know, being home with the kids without somebody else there
1: with me.
3: Whitney calls Mark for help. For the first time in
1: kind of my business career, she called, and it was clear that I needed to get home right away.
3: Mark cancels the rest of his trip, and later that day returns to find Whitney in bed. Since their phone call, her condition has gotten worse. I couldn't
5: see anything out of my left eye. In fact, I kept it closed most of the time because of the light. I was starting to feel pretty despondent and hopeless.
1: She was in a lot of pain. When someone you love is in that much pain, yeah, you, you're, you're concerned.
8: I just saw her wing in bed, which um, kind of scared me because I cannot like her.
3: But as Whitney is being comforted by Mark, she's struck by a strange new feeling.
5: I felt a weird sensation on my face immediately. And it spread all the way down my neck and even into my arm.
1: She went from some sort of just eye infection, and now she was talking about numbness and tingling in her face. Uh, I was very worried.
5: I was very fearful in that moment that something really bad was going to happen to me. And it was hard to think about what would happen to my kids if they lost their mom.
3: Whitney is referred to an ophthalmology specialist at the University of Illinois, Dr. Elmer Tu.
0: When I first saw Whitney, she was having a lot of light sensitivity, uh, difficulty
3: functioning. uh, Her vision was becoming more and more blurred over time. Dr. Two examines Whitney's eye and notices something unusual. The cornea is normally clear, but we saw this unusual ring in her cornea and also these inflamed nerves who are radiating from it. To Dr. Two, the distinctive ring on Whitney's cornea is indicative of one thing. Whitney had a parasite in her eye.
5: I felt like I was in a science fiction movie.
0: Based on our clinical examination, she had acanthamoeba keratitis.
5: It was a very surreal experience because it was obviously a word I had never heard of.
3: i never heard of what acanthamoeba was, had no idea, you know, and didn't even know it was a parasite. Acanthamoeba keratitis is a rare infection caused by a free-living single-celled parasite called acanthamoeba. Inside Whitney's eyeball, acanthamoeba parasites have been feeding off bacteria on the outer layer of her eye. But as this food source runs out, the parasites eat the eyeball itself, resulting in Whitney's impaired vision, sensitivity to light, and numbness.
5: I was completely creeped out. The fact that I had parasites in my eye was very
7: disgusting. One of the most terrifying things about a acanthamoeba is its ability to completely change its body. When it's active, the parasite moves across the eyeball, feeding and living off its environment. But when it's threatened, like during treatment, it can morph into a cyst with a tough, impenetrable exterior. Those cysts are very hard to kill, making acanthamoeba extremely difficult to treat.
3: Dr. Two breaks the news to Whitney that her acanthamoeba infection is extremely advanced. Whitney might need a corneal transplant or even lose her eye.
5: I just really couldn't believe that this was happening to me. I got really scared that I was going to lose my eye.
3: Whitney Fleming has parasites destroying her eyeball. To try and treat the parasitic infection, Dr. Two places Whitney on an aggressive course of eye drops to be applied every hour.
5: It stings, your eye is already so sensitive, and it really is a very painful experience.
3: For eight months, Whitney endures the harsh regimen.
8: I was worried about her. It was almost like, in a way, not having a mom. It was very sad.
3: But then one day, something miraculous happens.
5: I was uh, brushing my hair and I noticed something out of the side of my my eye. So I told Mark, oh my gosh, I can see something. Like I can see you out of the corner of my eye.
1: We really started to realize we can get through this.
8: It was really cool to see her just fight and fight and then one day she's all better. It was just kind of, like, a good moment.
7: The acanthamoeba parasite is found worldwide in a variety of freshwater sources, including city water systems and even hot tubs. Anyone who gets contaminated water in their eyes is at risk of infection. But in the United States, around 85% of all cases of acanthamoeba keratitis occur in people who wear contact
3: lenses. Whitney believes she contracted the parasite in the days before the cruise.
5: I do believe I had a small scratch on my cornea. I never was told not to shower in my contacts. So I have to guess that I did shower with my contacts in and that perhaps that's how I was infected.
3: Today, Whitney isn't looking back on her potentially life-altering brush with Acanth amoeba.
5: My vision is almost completely restored. I am back to doing everything I was doing before and a little bit more.
8: I do admire her. She would do anything she could to get better. And that's what my mom did.
7: For contact wears, it's very important to clean lenses with disinfecting solutions, not tap water. It's also recommended to remove contact lenses before going into bodies of water, like pools, hot tubs, and even showers.
3: There are many water-related diseases. Some we learn to avoid. But others lurk in places we'd never think to look.
9: I was just going crazy with the pain.
4: He was screaming, it hurts, it hurts.
3: Chris Johnson and his wife Gina have been happily married for eight years.
9: When we met, it was an instant attraction. She was really pretty. She was very strong-willed, playful, fun, outgoing, and you know, that's something I really like.
4: Chris's qualities are humbleness, kindness. He's the type of person that picks up the turtle on the side of the road to move him out of the way so it does not get hit.
3: <laughs> Gina is a grade school teacher and Chris manages a marina.
4: Chris is a tough guy. He's your true manly man, outdoorsy type person. He was born to be around water.
9: I grew up with boats. I've run boats since I was little. It's a real passion of mine.
3: But Chris's enthusiasm for boats almost cost him his life. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Chris is at the dock checking on boat supplies.
9: We have to dip the tanks and check the fuel level and it's it's sort of a long measuring stick that we use and while I was grabbing that stick, I noticed my left pointer finger started to have a little pain in the knuckle. I thought it was just a sore finger, maybe I jammed it or something like that.
3: Chris takes an over-the-counter pain medication and is able to work pain-free, that is until a week later when he's clearing equipment
9: from the dock. I was lifting some five-gallon buckets of bait, which is about 40 pounds, and I kind of noticed my middle finger was starting to hurt as well. My pain started going from a little bit of a soreness to more of a burning, hot sensation.
3: Chris tries to carry on working,
9: but his finger begins to seize up. It it sort of had a bend to it. No matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't straighten my finger out.
3: Eventually, the pain and stiffness become so bad, Chris is forced to call it a day. Later that afternoon, Gina is surprised to find Chris back from work early.
4: I found him in my kitchen, soaking his hand in Epsom salt and hot water. He said, my finger hurt. He has a very high tolerance for pain, so I know in my heart that something was seriously wrong. I said, you need to go to a doctor.
9: I didn't feel like this was a big deal, and I don't think a doctor could do much for it.
3: For the next week, Chris continues to work, but eventually the pain in his finger is so severe he makes an appointment with a specialist.
9: The doctor looked at it. He made a very quick, easy diagnosis. He said, well, you have trigger finger. Trigger finger
3: is a common condition in people who do repetitive motions. Over time, the tendons in the hand become inflamed, locking the finger in position. To reduce the inflammation, The specialist injects Chris's finger with cortisone. And throughout the week, Chris notices an improvement.
9: I went right back to work and my finger felt great, able to perform just like I would normally.
3: But late one night, Gina is woken by the sound of Chris packing a bag.
4: I saw him taking clothes out of the drawers of the dresser. So I had asked him what's going on.
9: I said, you know, I'm going to have to go to the emergency room. The pain spread down the palm of my hand. It really hurt.
3: Chris shows Gina his hand, and she quickly understands why he's so worried.
4: This is something I've never seen before.
3: For over a month, Chris Johnson has been suffering with debilitating pain in his left hand. But now, it's become unbearable.
4: And it was just red and swollen. It looked like it was gonna fall off,
3: almost. And there's something else. Chris points out a mark that wasn't
9: there the previous day. I noticed what looked like a small pimple growing in the palm of my hand, kind of deep underneath the skin.
4: I knew right then and there that something was was wrong.
9: Gina
3: drives Chris to the nearest emergency room. By the time they arrive, Chris is in
9: agonizing pain. I said, look, I said, you guys got to give me something for this. I can't take this. I was just going crazy with the pain.
4: There he was, literally screaming at the nurse that it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Hearing the scream that he let out, it got to me. I just lost it.
3: A nurse gives Chris morphine to quell the pain
9: before a doctor examines his hand. We talked about the little white thing there, and he said, well, thats it's not really a pimple. That's not what you think it is.
3: The doctor suspects Chris has MRSA, a highly resilient bacteria that can burrow into the tissue, causing pain, redness, and pus-filled bumps. He prescribes a powerful antibiotic to treat the infection, and then takes a biopsy of the pimple so he can carry out further testing. Chris is sent home, and for the next week, While he waits for the lab results, he takes the course of medication. But it has no effect. And what's worse, by the week's end, Chris has developed a
9: disconcerting new symptom. When I looked at my hand, there was another white growth coming out of the palm of my hand. It sort of looked like somebody's fingernail growing in my hand. I'd never seen anything like this before, and it it felt like something was inside of me.
3: Chris returns to the doctor. By this point, the results of the biopsy are in. But they're inconclusive. So Chris is referred to renowned orthopedic hand surgeon, Dr. Paul Zeidel.
10: Chris's hand was very enlarged, swollen, red. He couldn't make a fist, couldn't hold anything. Dr. Idel takes samples of the two lumps in the palm of Chris's hand. Chris had an extremely bizarre type of growth in his hand. It looked like a small, thin, pliable fingernail. I've never seen this actual presentation before, having done this for many years. Dr. Zidal hopes the test will
9: reveal the cause of Chris's infection. That was very frightening, knowing that this has never been encountered before. When the
3: results come
9: in, they reveal
3: that Chris is suffering from a rare type of bacterial infection. Chris had a Mycobacterium marinum infection. Mycobacterium marinum is a type of bacteria found in both fresh and salt water. When it infects the skin, it causes an autoimmune response, triggering severe swelling and acute pain. However, Chris also has the bizarre growths on his palm. So Dr. Seidel theorizes
9: something else could be at play there appeared to be some organism inside his hand. It was like, whoa, how can an organism grow inside of,
10: you know, inside of my body? Chris had, believe it or not, barnacles growing in his hand.
3: Barnacles are tiny crustaceans related to crabs, lobster, and shrimp. They secrete hard calcium plates that form a protective shell and give them their distinctive appearance. The doctor suspects barnacles have attached to the sheath around Chris's tendon, causing his extreme and debilitating pain.
4: I said, what? Are you kidding me? I didn't think our bodies could grow something that belonged in the
7: ocean.
9: I was really creeped out. This is really shocking to me.
7: If a barnacle larva happens to land on a suitable home, it can take hold using a gland at the base of its antenna to release a strong brown cement-like paste. This substance is one of the most powerful adhesives known. So once the barnacle is attached, it requires an enormous physical
3: effort to remove it. Dr. Zeidel explains it will require multiple surgeries to remove the barnacles. And the prognosis is not good.
10: The problem with Chris's hand is by the time I saw him, it was extremely severe. We actually talked about amputation. Um, this,
9: this, this, this is probably my lowest point.
4: Um, I cried. I just started, I just broke down. I broke down and cried.
9: For hours,
3: Dr. Zidal attempts to remove the barnacles from Chris's infected hand.
10: All the tendons and nerves uh, were involved. So we carefully scrape out the top layers, the outside layers, or anything that's obviously damaged. For the next nine months, Chris takes powerful
3: antibiotics designed to kill the mycobacterium infection, endures multiple surgeries, and suffers agonizing physical therapy sessions.
10: Barnacles kept growing in his hand. So at each presentation in the operating room, then we have to just carefully remove it. My tendon had built
9: up uh, a lot of scar tissue, and the physical therapy was really, really difficult and very painful.
3: But finally, almost a year after Chris's first symptom,
10: Dr. Zeidel delivers good news. There was decreased swelling, no redness, no obvious signs of infection.
4: We were just on cloud nine at that point, knowing that there was an end.
3: But how did the barnacles get inside Chris's hand? In
7: the ocean, barnacles use feathery appendages on their legs to filter small particles of food, such as plankton, from the surrounding water. Inside our bodies, blood is remarkably similar to diluted ocean water. Not only is blood mostly water, but it also has similar proportions of salts and other minerals. Having a barnacle in your body is bad, but what's worse is that the barnacle also brings harmful bacteria with it. Those can trigger the body's immune system,
3: which in turn wreaks havoc. Chris thinks he knows the exact moment a barnacle attached to him.
9: I was working in one of our bait tanks, and I remember cutting my finger on a barnacle, and it bleeding a little bit, and just like I always do, not thinking anything of it.
3: Doctors suspect the barnacle that penetrated his wound was carrying the mycobacterium. Today, Chris's brush with a barnacle has left
9: a deep impression. I can't straighten my finger out all the way, and I never will.
3: Chris has quit his job at the marina to run an online business, and now he's found a new passion.
9: We have a little boy named Luke. He's five years old now, and Hannah's almost two years old.
4: We enjoy painting and getting dirty with the kids and jumping and playing.
3: But they have made one change.
4: We take scratches, we take bumps, bruises, cuts, anything you can think of more seriously.
7: Open wounds provide an excellent point of entry for organisms that can thrive within the human body. The World Health Organization recommends washing wounds thoroughly with soap and clean water, applying an antiseptic, and dressing the wound with a clean gauze daily. At first sign of an infection, immediately seek the help of a medical professional.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.